Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. I've been a writer for almost 50 years. And I have never encountered a story like this that was such a combination of utter tragedy and happiness. We call this story the beating heart because a heart survived a tragic event. So it was Christmas 1986, all the Christmas cheer of the season, Everyone's happy, smiling. So it was the, the best Christmas ever. I was falling hard in love. And then it all ended. Police got a call around 2 a.m. that shots were fired at an apartment complex. And they rushed to the scene. The first detective on the scene was Detective Tommy Lee. I went up to the second floor to the apartment. I walked in and a young 19-year-old female was laying on the floor uh, with what appeared to be blood coming from her face and her head and her eyes. The victim was Karen Ermert. At 2.30 a.m. Saturday, Karen Ermert was found dead in her apartment, shot three times in the head. Detective Lee is looking at this horrifying scene and suddenly a woman shows up and it's the victim's mother. We looked each other in the face and I said, I hate to tell you this, but your 19-year-old daughter is dead. She was murdered and she collapsed in my arms. Tommy, I can't imagine there's anything you learn in the academy that prepares you for a moment like that. I'll never forget it. 
you never forget telling a mother that her 19-year-old daughter has been murdered. I, I was shocked. I didn't believe it at first. My name is Rich Lieb. I had known Karen Ermert for several years, and we had recently started dating. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I couldn't imagine what happened. Went upstairs to my room, laid down in my bed, and I think I cried for 12 hours. It was just, she's gone. I didn't get to say goodbye to her. It just kind of left a hole. But that's not where this story ended. Something amazing came out of something horrifying. Doesn't happen that often. If there are two things in this world that Washington Post columnist Gene Weingarten loves, they are writing... Old clocks are timeless. ...and tinkering with time. This was made around 1895, and when I'm done with it, it'll be working like new. When you're repairing a really old clock, you feel as though you're in touch with time itself. Gene has long believed there is no such thing as an ordinary day, that countless stories lay hidden in space and time, some lost forever, others destined to be discovered. My theory has been that if you take a day, midnight to midnight, a single day, you would find encapsulated in that day the entire human experience. And I decided to challenge that theory. How? by pulling numbers randomly out of a hat. Gene and his editor, Tom Schroeder, went to the Old Ebbett Grill in Washington, D.C., threw 20 years of random dates into a green fedora, and picked one to prove Gene's theory that something extraordinary happens every day. We came up with December 28th, 1986. It was the slowest news day of the week, a Sunday, during the slowest time of the year, the Christmas holidays. If we could have read the thought bubbles over both of your heads. You couldn't print them. We felt we had really drawn a terrible, terrible day. But true to Gene's theory, he would soon learn this was no ordinary day. Something amazing had happened. A medical feat that would make history. Something astonishing happened, a remarkable triumph. And then I investigated further. And an entirely different story related to it emerged. And that involved a savage murder, the murder of Karen Ermert. He met a detective named Tommy Lee, 
who had held on to Karen's file for 30 years for reasons he couldn't quite explain. The case was closed, but I couldn't just store her away. It bothered me that her life was cut short. I thank goodness for Jean Weingartner because she's going to have a little more of a legacy than just an obituary in a yearbook. Can you describe Karen for me a little bit? From a purely physical standpoint, she was effortlessly beautiful. You look at her pictures and you just see someone who wasn't trying to be pretty. She just was pretty. She was talented. She played the flute. And everybody really loved her. Including Rich Lieb. I think about her all the time. Rich first met Karen in high school when she started dating another guy, his childhood friend, Mark Wiley. He worshipped the ground she walked on. Just a teenage boy that was really proud to be on the arm of a beautiful young girl. But over time, Rich, who double-dated with Mark and Karen, says Mark's pride turned to obsession. If she wasn't with him, he always wanted to know where she was. He actually, at times, drove around Northern Virginia following her to find out what she was doing and where she was. He was a young man who was furiously in love with a young woman. And I'm using the word furiously deliberately. He was what we would now call a stalker. This was a guy who had this beautiful teenage girl on his arm and lived in fear that he was going to lose her. Oh, definitely. If she were somewhere and somebody smiled, looked at her, and she smiled back, what are you looking at them for? This is not somebody who got a little too into his romantic partner. He wanted to own her. Mark's affection for whiskey made matters worse. As soon as he started getting alcohol in him, he got paranoid, a little defensive about every little thing, and really brooding and moody. He became a dark figure? Yes, he was commonly known as an angry drunk. And Karen was not one to back down from a fight. They became very fiery together. He would start an argument, oh, he looked at you, you looked at him, but she would argue back. And I think that just made him angrier. Rich, this is a combustible mix. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. Rich grew so disgusted by Mark's behavior toward Karen, he severed his friendship with Mark. But he would later learn just how combustible Mark and Karen's relationship was. She'd gone to the hospital a number of times for injuries. She said that they would get into fights, and it was literally like a fist fight, that she just had to try to defend herself. That was very disturbing to hear that. He overwhelmed her over the years to the point where she realized she could take this no more, and she broke up with him. Around this time, Rich received a letter that would change his life. I got a, an anonymous letter, and it was a love letter. I was just, I don't know who this is. I'd like to know who this is, but I have no idea. Completely anonymous. Completely anonymous. It was obviously from someone who knew me and that she thought that I was kind and considerate and she hoped that she could get up the nerve to, to tell me who she was. Finally, 
she did. Come Christmas Day, I get a phone call, and it's Karen. And she tells me, I broke up with Mark. I'm in my apartment all by myself. My roommates are gone. Come over, keep me company. Sure, love Karen, great friends. So we spent a wonderful evening together talking and just having a great time. Mm -hmm. And about halfway through the night, she tells me, did you get a letter a couple months ago? And uh, I was just floored. I, I had no idea. She told me that she'd always had feelings for me and we just fell right into step. If I inject you with truth serum on the night of the 26th, you think you found your life partner? Yeah, probably. Can't help but wonder what might have been. It was like a revelation to her, as sad as this sounds, that you could have a romantic relationship that didn't cause pain. She hadn't known that. But Mark Wiley refused to let her go, says Rich. Who was there when Karen called Mark to tell him there was no chance of getting back together? Basically, it was, look, I've tried to tell you nicely. I've tried to explain it to you. I've tried to be gentle about it. But we're through. I'm not going to put up with your abuse anymore. And I don't want to see you anymore. What did you hear? Just a raised voice, angry raised voice. But she was smiling, and I think she felt a huge sense of relief to finally felt like, I'm done with this. Nobody really caught the pure horror of this breakup. He told her at the time he was going to kill her. She left. She didn't think this was going to be possible. See more of the evidence photos at 48hours.com. If you're a fan of 48 Hours or true crime, looking to try on a case of your own, June's Journey is for you. A thrilling hidden object mystery game set against the backdrop of the 1920s. You play as June Parker, an amateur detective trying to unravel your sister's mysterious murder. As you dive into a world filled with twists and turns, trust no one. Every character could be hiding secrets. While you piece together the intricately woven plot, you'll collect crucial information in your photo album, turning suspicions into facts. And if you want help on the case, you can even join a detective club to collaborate or compete with fellow sleuths on hundreds of puzzles. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery.
Rich Lieb will never forget the last time he saw Karen Ermert. He was saying goodbye before leaving on a one-day ski trip. I told her, I, I really don't want to go. I just want to spend the time with you. But I already made an obligation. They're expecting me. And she said, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. I said, sure, I will call you as soon as I get in. And we parted ways. Neither one imagined her estranged boyfriend, Mark Wiley, was making plans of his own. He was either going to be able to get back together yep. with this woman he had this obsession about. Yes. Or he was going to kill her. That's correct. Armed with a bottle of whiskey and a 22 caliber rifle, Mark Wiley got into his car and headed to Karen's apartment. Mark was in a rage. Obviously, he's not thinking clearly. Karen had every right to break up with him. She almost had an obligation to break up with him. So he's got a bunch of rage. Yes, he does. He's got a bunch of booze. Yes. And he's got a rifle. Yes. Awful combination. Deadly one. So take me through it. He shows up here. Yeah. He doesn't go in through the front door. No, he parks his car around the other side, walks over here. He climbed up a tree to a balcony near her bedroom. He apparently had the rifle on his back. He stowed it on the balcony, walked into the house. Detective Lee believes it was Mark's last-ditch effort to win her back. And they got into a rather heated argument. And I think it was at that time that, that he decided it's not going to work out. And he goes back out and gets the 22 and shoots five rounds in, killing her. Rich Lee got the news when he returned from his ski trip. I walk in the door, drop my stuff immediately, go to pick up the phone. And my mother comes in and stops me from dialing and says, Rich, uh, Karen was shot last night. And I'm just in shock. Oh my gosh, well, what hospital, where's she at? She didn't make it. And this is the part of the story where out of something horrifying came something amazing, says Jean. The part of the story that belonged to this young woman, Eva Basie, a very sick 20-year-old nursing student fighting for her life in Fairfax Hospital. A couple of months earlier, the single mother of two young children had suddenly fallen ill. She couldn't walk more than a half block without stopping and wheezing. Climbing a set of stairs had become a Himalayan task for her. Her own doctor felt she had possibly a month or two to live. She finally went to see a heart specialist, and the heart specialist did some tests and said, I need to put you in touch with a man I know. And it was Dr. Lefrac. When Dr. Ed Lefrac 
chief of cardiac surgery at Fairfax Hospital in Virginia, met Eva Basie. She was suffering from idiopathic cardiomyopathy. Idiopathic means we have no idea what caused the heart failure. Her heart began to fail. Dr. LaFrac knew she would not survive without a radical procedure, a heart transplant. There was just one hitch. Had you ever performed a heart transplant before? No, I had not. In 1986, heart transplants were so uncommon, no hospitals in the greater Washington, D.C. area were legally allowed to perform them. Dr. LaFrac, determined to make Fairfax the first, fought relentlessly to get permission. The local health agency said no. There wasn't enough demand. Some people might hear the no and go away. Well, that's, that's not how I roll. Yeah, it's just the opposite. Mary Dellinger was his surgical nurse. He was very determined, and he wouldn't take no for an answer. LaFrac hatched a plan. Bring the man who performed the first successful heart transplant ever in 1967, celebrated on the cover of Time magazine, Dr. Christian Barnard, to lobby the state health commissioner on LaFrac's behalf. He arrived in Virginia like a superstar. He said, it would be amoral to not permit a qualified surgeon like Dr. LaFrac to do this surgery. And instantly they, they got permission. Dr. LaFrac just came in the OR the next day and he says, we got it. And what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking, okay, we're on. Now we need to find the first perfect patient. That first perfect patient was Eva Basie. But she was running out of time. Eva was dying. She was getting sicker and sicker. Deirdre Carolyn Durflinger was Eva's primary care nurse. It was a very real possibility that she could die before she got a heart. Many people do. Not knowing when or if a donor would come through, Dr. LaFrac, his wife Trudy, and their four girls canceled their family holiday ski trip. He only had one thing on his mind. Dr. LaFrac and his team, they're looking for a heart. They have somebody to save. And then it came, the call they'd been waiting for. It's a go. It's a go. Dr. LaFrac and his team were getting ready to make history, about to become the first team in the greater D.C. area to attempt a heart transplant. They had finally found the perfect donor for Eva Basie. Did you know anything about the donor at that point? No, I really did not know anything about the donor. I think they called me and told me it was a donor with a gunshot wound to the head. But it wasn't Karen Ermert. In the perfect narrative, Karen Ermert's heart would have been the one that saved Eva Basie. 
But that's not how it happened. Things are not always that simple. It was the killer's heart that saved Eva Basie. After Mark Wiley shot his ex-girlfriend, Karen Ermer, dead, he paused. He waited in the house until the police arrived and started knocking on the door, and then he shot himself in the forehead. So if the relationship was over, then life was going to be over. Yes. For both Karen and for him. That's correct. Mark Wiley was declared brain dead, but his heart was still beating. How was it still beating? The bullet passed through both hemispheres of the brain. Somehow, when that happens, often but not always, the heart keeps beating. By the time you arrive at this apartment, he's gone. Yes. He's been transported to the hospital. Yes. His body was rushed to the same hospital where Eva Basie lay dying as the transplant coordinator sought permission from Mark's parents to donate their son's still-beating heart. Mark's father, Larry Wiley, gave a brief voice-only statement to local media. Two families have suffered a terrible tragedy, one that can never be totally healed. Hopefully, something good can come out of this tragedy. They were good people. They were, they were horrified, they were in grief, and, you know, they, they made the right call. Eva Basie was wheeled down to operating room six. I said a prayer for her. I'm a firm believer in prayer. We're excited for her, but we're also terrified. I mean, she could die downstairs. Dr. LaFrac and his team gathered in operating room 12 to remove, for the first time, a living, beating heart. They had been working with corpses in the morgue. Heart transplantation was not taught in colleges, in, in medical schools at the time. The only way to learn it was to do it. I would do a regular heart operation in the morning and then be in between operations, uh, go to the morgue with the team and then go back to the operating room. Doctor, you were learning how to perform heart transplants on your lunch hour? <laughs> I guess you could say that. But this time, it was for real. As ready as you were was any part of you at all a little scared? No, not at all. I felt totally comfortable with it because I had done this many times in the morgue. So. You play like you practice. Exactly, yeah. Dr. LaFrac began to remove the donor heart. LaFrac is a man with a pair of scissors. And he essentially cut it out of that body with scissors that aren't very different from what a second grader would use to cut colored paper. They're just scissors. We cut, 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 cut the aorta, cut the pulmonary artery, and then the heart is free. Taking the heart out of a donor takes five minutes. It's, uh, five it's, minutes. it's pretty easy. So we take it out cold because we put cold solution in it and then immediately put it in bags with ice. The heart, which ideally shouldn't stay outside the body more than four hours, was bagged and put into an igloo cooler, the same kind you buy at the supermarket. 
when we were gathering all our supplies, it was like, well, who's got a cooler? I said, well, I got an igloo cooler. <laughs> so you brought your cooler in from home? I brought my cooler in from home. I, I still have that cooler. <laughs> the cooler with the heart was carried from OR 12, 90 feet down the hall, to OR 6, Eva's room. What was the mood like in OR 6? I think it was a high, real high sense of anticipation. Oh my gosh, we're really doing this. 12 is trauma and despair. Six is hope. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know that we're fixing somebody. Dr. LaFrac began replacing Eva's dying heart with the healthy one. You remove Eva's heart and now what? Once it's out, now we take the donor heart out of the cooler and uh, have to do a little preparing on it to sew it into this big empty space, which is quite a dramatic scene. There's a person lying there on the operating table, Eva, with her chest open and no heart. And she is alive because she's getting circulation through the heart-lung machine. He began to sew the new heart into Eva's chest. The back wall of Eva's heart was left in place. That makes it much easier to sew the donor heart to Eva. After about 45 minutes, the new heart was in Eva Basie's chest. Now came the moment of truth. Usually, you need an electric shock. You have those paddles that you use. In this case, there was like this odd alchemy and the heart just started beating. That must have been. It was incredible. Exhilarating and uh, very rewarding. <laughs> See, I get tearful if I even say anything. And is that the moment you think to yourself, did it? <laughs> I don't usually think like that because it's not over till it's over till she goes home. Join the conversation with the 48 Hours team on Facebook and Twitter. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Every detective has a case that haunts you. And this case will haunt me until the day I die. 
The Karen Ermert murder case was closed. The killer was dead. But Detective Tommy Lee couldn't let it go. He went to her funeral. He didn't know her. No, but I had some time with her mother. It would have been wrong for me not to go pay respects to Karen, whose life was cut so short. There's no way you can wipe away the central tragedy of this story. A deeply disturbed man killed an innocent young woman. You can only move on from it and say, something positive happened as a result. The Washington area's first heart transplant case is a dramatic story of one district woman's life renewed. It was huge news. The first heart transplant recipient in the greater Washington, D.C. area had made it through the operation. A 20-year-old mother of two is in serious but stable condition in Fairfax Hospital tonight. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. I was very touched and happy by the fact that she was doing well and had gotten through the surgery. Finally, Eva Basie opened her eyes. I just woke up. Like I just went to sleep that night, and like any other night. You know, I, I had forgotten that I was sick when I woke up. And I just wanted to go home the next day. I'm like, you know, go home, you know, I'm ready, <laughs> you know, so. Meanwhile, they're like, what part of transplant <laughs> didn't you understand? Exactly, yeah. She didn't know it, but the hardest part was still to come. The fight against her body's natural instinct to reject her new heart. Transplant coordinator, Mary Beth Maydoes. Their body never, never accepts that heart as their own. It's always somebody else's genes. So we have to fool it, always. The way to fool the body is with anti-rejection drugs. And since Eva was patient number one, Dr. Lafrac was teaching himself all about it. It was a delicate balancing act of suppressing her immune system to prevent rejection without leaving her too vulnerable to infection. It was quite a while she was in the hospital. I think every time Eva had rejection, I was worried that we would lose her because her rejections were quite severe sometimes. Eva was quarantined to guard against infection. You look like from the movies now where people go into the room where someone has Ebola or something. You know, we put booties on and the head coverings and gowns and everything just to go into the room. She must have felt so isolated and scared in there. It was difficult. That was the hardest. I want to see my babies. They would let my mom come in and she had to stand in a corner for five minutes with a mask on and gloves, you know. And so you couldn't hug? No, no. As the weeks ticked by, Eva seemed to be doing well medically, but struggled in her small, lonely world, says Deirdre, who was one of her few connections to the outside. It's very lonely. That's why I used to stay after sometimes and just sit with her so that she had some company. I mean, we try and bring her in things if she wanted it, or, you know, we'd get her stuff from home and bring it in. We did whatever we could to keep her more comfortable. Eva was particularly upset one day and she said, I just, I want to get out of here. I want to breathe fresh air. So Deirdre devised a plan. She carefully cleaned her car, put Eva in a mask and gloves, and the two hit the road. We just went out for a drive. They even stopped at McDonald's. She got a hamburger and I think a Coke or something, and 
She wanted French fries. I think we ditched the French fries. I said, let's not push it. <laughs> I'd like to keep my job. <laughs> God bless Deidre, huh? Yeah, and um, it, oh my God, it was the best burger I've ever had. I was so tired of hospital food. Dr. Lafrac had reluctantly agreed to the outing, but Deirdre and Eva kept the fast food part a secret. I mean, we gave her guidelines, but she wasn't a big guideline person. It turns out that the transplant transformed more than just the patient. Surgeons aren't usually known for their bedside manner. Yeah, that's how he was in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning? Yes. He's very quiet. He's very quiet. He's very, um, hi, Eva, I'm going to inject this into you. And bye, Eva. Straight to the point and get out my room. How did that relationship evolve? I think that he was happy that it was a success. So he became a little more open. And then eventually he's, you know, just came out of his shell. I learned to love Eva and accept all parts of her, so. I love you is not standard operating procedure between no. surgeon and patient. No, I don't think I've ever had that kind of relationship with any other patient, you know. Dr. Lafrac wasn't the only one falling under Eva's spell. She's so thankful and kind. So you feel appreciated, so you appreciate back. Nearly two months after being wheeled in so close to death, Eva Basie was finally given the okay to walk out the hospital doors. The day she was ready to go home, the whole team was there to say goodbye to Eva, and her mom was there. I just want to thank everybody for having my daughter. It was a wonderful time. It's been so beautiful. I mean, that was so exhilarating to see her go out that door and to know she had gotten through this. Did you allow yourself a moment when she did go home to think to yourself, I have now accomplished a heart transplant. Yeah, that was a good day. I can picture exactly her getting into the car. Patient number one went home, but it would be years before she learned the whole story behind her new heart. going to be a very special Valentine's Day for one district woman. Eva Basie finally went home. But life was not the same. At first, she could only see her kids an hour a day due to the risk of infection. And she was told she could never work as a nurse. Doctors were concerned that she would be susceptible to disease if she worked around sick people. The procedure that saved her life was going to cost her her job. More than her job, it was going to cost her her dream. She wanted to work with babies and old people. Instead, Eva concentrated on raising her two children, Shakita and Antonia. She always asked the Lord to just let her see us make it until 18. So I think that that was her, her main drive behind staying alive with her kids. Stay alive she did surpassing all expectations. We thought transplant, people were going to live five years. I think it was actually a shock to her after five years that we said to her, you know, 
you're still here, maybe you need to get a job. <laughs> Dr. Lafrac agreed. Eva was doing so well, he changed his mind. She could work in healthcare after all. She's been helping sick people deal with their health problems ever since. I'll tell them my story about my, you know, the transplant. I say things are not always going to be like this. I promise you, they will get better. And they do. Eva continued to defy the odds. Five years became 10. 10 became 15. 15 became 30. Happy anniversary! Happy anniversary, Eva. Happy December 28th. On December 28th, 2019, Dr. LaFrac made the call he's made on that day every year. What did you do on Christmas? Since the transplant. What do you say to each other in that anniversary phone call? Well, I congratulate her and usually tell her that I love her. I'll keep in touch with you, Eva. I love you, you know what? So this isn't <laughs> just your doctor. Yeah, he's my friend. You know, I still call him Dr. Frack, but he's, um, he's my friend now. Yeah, I love him. I love him dearly. And the feeling is quite mutual. What is that all about? I don't know. I just, I respect her and, you know, kind of get <laughs> Sorry, but I just, I, I just love her. I don't know what it's about. Just really appreciate her, and it's all, it's all good. I just hope she lives forever. Eva Basie, who had a life expectancy of one to five years, is now one of the longest living heart transplant recipients in medical history. 20 years is considered great. In 2019, Eva celebrated her 33rd anniversary. Why do you think she's doing so well? Why has she done so well and lived so long. Some of it is luck, and a lot of it is tenacity. She's really sweet, but if she didn't have a certain amount of tenacity, backbone, and grit, she wouldn't have gotten out 33 years. Dr. LaFrac celebrating here with his five daughters, retired 10 years ago. He happily tossed his pager into the Potomac toasting a next chapter he was determined to make great. At 76, he recently rode in a 100-mile bicycle race. The heart transplant program he started continues to thrive. And so does his message, best summed up by patient number one. It's okay to let your loved one's organs be donated to help someone else's loved ones. I was naive to donation until it actually happened to me. And I think a lot of us are until we actually know someone. Now, I'm Eva, and you know me. It works. Eva Basie never knew the whole truth about the heart that saved her life. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. It wasn't until Gene Weingarten published his book, One Day, that she learned the full story. A story that led back to that senseless murder of Karen Ermert by her estranged boyfriend, Mark Wiley. Do you ever think about her, Karen, now that you know a little bit more since Jean wrote the story? I do now, yes. Would she be a mom? Would she have grandkids? I think about her a lot now. If you could speak to Karen's family, what would you want to say to them? 
I'm sorry. Thank you. You know, in the movie version, you get her heart. And in real life, you got his heart. Mm -hmm. Does it make any difference to you? No. It's just, it's a heart. It's an organ. It's not a, a murder organ. And it's just an organ that happened to save my life. And the story here is what the person who received the organ does with the extra years she then gets. That is correct. When you heard this woman, Eva Basie, got a heart, and she's still alive 33 years later, does that help you make any sense of what happened? It does. It really does. It lightens my soul to know that somebody got a second chance at life out of the tragedy that happened. And so it seems Gene Weingarten was right. There is no such thing as an ordinary day. No way to make sense of who lives and who dies at any given time. Perhaps all we can do is treasure the memories of those now gone and thank the heavens, and in this case, a team of extraordinary doctors and nurses for those who still walk among us. And I'm still here, you know, and I just, how blessed I am. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Andrew and Abby Borden were hacked to death. There is only one plausible explanation. Lizzie. Lizzie Borden was acquitted. If not her, then who? This is somebody who may have quite literally gotten away with murder. 48 Hours, next on CBS. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. There have been a lot of jerks making the news week after week, and if you need a little pettiness to go with your politics, Hysteria from Crooked Media is the podcast for you. I'm Erin Ryan, political commentator and comedy writer. I'm former Obama White House Deputy Chief of Staff Alyssa Mastromonaco, and each week we discuss everything from the profound to the downright absurd. Joined by a crew of hilarious women from coast to coast, Hysteria leaves no stone unturned, from reproductive rights to the hottest trending topics. New episodes of Hysteria drop every Thursday wherever you get your 
podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries. And as the name suggests, it's a show about medical mysteries, a genre that many fans have been asking us to dive into for years, and we finally decided to take the plunge, and the show is awesome. In this free weekly show, we explore bizarre, unheard of diseases, strange medical mishaps, unexplainable deaths, and everything in between. Each story is totally true and totally terrifying. Go follow Mr. Ballin's Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.